Hey there, this is Alex, and man, excited to share the first episode of Pizza Cat. On August 8th, a few friends came over for pizza and a small set of music from Sarah Collins and her duo partner, Marty Fry. They played a set of traditional Irish folk music, and afterwards we chatted about it, their love of that music, what the pandemic has done to their community, and other things. Sarah is part of a wider community called Ministry of Folk that does work in the area, and in preparation for the pod, I actually happened upon a playlist she had recently made, and it's one of the first things that I referenced, so I just wanted to explain that now as I don't really in the pod before I jump in uh, during the podcast. The podcast is a snippet of the whole night, and I'll post some other things um, related to the night later on, but uh, for the meantime, just enjoy. I think it's just like such a beautiful color. Mine too. Yeah. Do you guys ever like? Do you have like <coughs> colors associated with like musical? We're probably gonna talk about this. Not. God, I feel like. You save that shit. Save, save, save well, I just save. I don't know if you're gonna yeah. use that track. So. <laughs> no, but I wanna I wanna unpack that. Like as, as kind of gives me like. <laughs> as we say on the liberal arts, I wanna unpack that. I, unpack that. I kind of feel like it's like a lilac color. That's oh, just all I'm gonna use. Okay. We'll get into flavors, too. Want to go ahead with the Mongolian Stallion? Oh, sorry. So this is a tune that my friend wrote, uh, one of my best friends at home, and she took her bow to get re-haired, and they haired it with Mongolian Stallion hair, which is, like, so sick. Is that because of a purpose, or, like, is that Just, I mean, you got to use some kind of hair, so, like... But there's no, like, Mongolian hair otherwise. I think it is, like, supposed to be, like, it's quite nice, like, or... coarser, gives more like a grittier sound. Yeah. I could be misremembering that, but yeah. I remember something being said about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is a set I used to play in, in Boston. Yeah, I think Boston. you used to play that. Because that's what I, and so, yeah. <laughs> I'll save it for after. So many things to be saved. <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, so I think um, before I start, well, I've already started, but um, before we go into stuff, it would be cool. Um, well, I'm just going to uh, introduce everyone. If everyone can say hi, that would be great. So I'm Alex. I'm the I'm hosting here your pizza cat. Um, Marty, you want to say hi? Hello. My name is Marty. Name's Marty. Sarah. Hey, I'm Sarah. Sarah. Marty and Sarah just got done playing a fantastic show for us, about 30 minutes. Um, and we're going to get into that and all the goodness that came from that. We have Justin. Justin, hello. I'm Justin. Justin, how's it going? Pretty good. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks. Hey. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Jones. Uh, f- fan of the pod. Fan of the pod. <laughs> fan of the pod, yeah. You guys are, you guys are the first friend of the pod. It's wow, true. Wow, awesome. Wow, friends and fans. Honored to be here, you know? Yeah. Flattered and honored. Yeah. Feels yeah. good. I have, right. I have, like, you know, so, so guys, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I, I was researching a bunch of stuff for today, but then I listened to your playlist, Sarah, and I kind of wanted to throw my question out, out in the garbage. Okay. Uh, Primarily because um, uh, I had a bunch of questions about like you know your musical influences and traditional stuff and all that Irish folk stuff. But guys, she has a playlist, and it's about like 20, 25 songs long. Um, but a lot of it, it's I was laughing. I was telling you earlier, like I was laughing because um, I for I didn't realize how modern a lot of that stuff. We're to the point where I couldn't find where one is mm. on, on some of these tunes, mm. which was like, I was like expecting more form for stuff. Yeah. Um, so do you want to just uh, explain quickly, um, before we go into like the background stuff, but um, I would, I'd love for you to talk about um, kind of uh, the, the reasoning behind that playlist. Okay. Sure. And um, why you chose those songs specifically. Um, and and what and uh, yeah, if you, if you if you can talk about the purpose of that playlist and what went into the to song choices that you that you made. Okay, yeah. so this I kind of have to give some backstory. Yeah. Do. So in March, a lot of the musician friends that um, that I know who are professionals, full t- full time musicians, they saw you know their entire season of gigs wiped out in a matter of hours. This was like right around St. Patrick's Day. And I saw a bunch of Facebook posts and they were really devastating. And I was like, you know, this really sucks. Like I'm really privileged to have a full-time job that I can do teleworking. Um, But a lot of my friends aren't as lucky and, and their livelihoods just got canceled basically. So some friends of mine that I know through music camp, um, that we went to growing up, I've known them for 10, 12 years. We kind of put our heads together and um, came up with this sort of business, sort of organization, community platform. Um, We called it the Ministry of Folk. And um, the idea was to to list uh, a directory of, of teachers, people, our friends, other people who play in the folk music genre, who are available for lessons virtually. So instead of having just a teacher in the town that you live in, you know, opening that up and like seeing this as an opportunity to make greater connections virtually, 
that maybe you know you couldn't have made in person. So um, part of of the like awareness raising that we've tried to do has involved exposing people to the music of the teachers listed in the ministry directory. So we got people from a bunch of different genres. We have Irish, we have Scottish, um, Scandinavian, um, old time bluegrass, jazz. Um, you know, we have a harmonica teacher, we have a bagpipe teacher. So um, there's a huge diversity of, of what counts as folk music. Um, and so I wanted through that playlist to to give each artist a, a track so that people could be exposed to their music because a lot of these people um, aren't necessarily in the limelight and um, you know we're trying to like build a, build a sort of virtual community because uh, we can't gather physically so that's where the playlist came from and that's why it's so diverse because you have all of those different genres represented. So how many how many uh, so we. Um we're talking Ministry of Folk now. Yeah. This is your collective, specifically mm -hmm. you, that you mm -hmm. made uh, mm -hmm. during this past COVID period. Um, so when I was looking online, I saw a bunch of like, I saw Irish, Scandinavian, mm -hmm. Scottish, um, yeah. and specifically like some of the, uh, some of the flyers that had you on it yeah. said specifically Irish and Scottish. True. Um, yeah. So part of what we've been doing at the ministry is. Um, uh, virtual sessions so I'm, I'm sure Marty can can speak to this a little bit but like a lot of how we play this music it happens in in these community spaces like in bars in people's homes and we call them sessions they're they're informal gatherings it's not a band it's just kind of a group of friends who've been playing together so that's one thing that obviously can't happen in a pandemic so we um, took it upon ourselves to start one every week and we rotate through the people who are listed in the directory. So every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. there's some somebody is streaming from our Facebook page and the idea is that they're playing things that people would know, playing things people might not know yet but at a speed that people could learn it from the recording and then you know you can continue to build connections, you can continue to build a repertoire that's shared yeah. even though you can't be together so um, I hosted one a few weeks ago when I was home in Massachusetts with my um, longtime musical partner Eamon Sefton who's a guitar player um, we just did it in his basement and it was great because I played some some things that that people know and some other things you know like a tune that my friend wrote during lockdown and the idea was to expose people to, to things they might want to play in the hopes that when we next gather together, yeah. we will then have those shared yeah. tunes to play. So that's really important, right? So that's, that's what we were talking about earlier, guys, was how important it is to... Well, whenever I was looking up Irish... I looked up specifically Irish folk music because that's what I sort of, like, thought in, like, my naivety. I was like, you know, this is, this is Irish folk music. Mm -hmm. This is a thing. This is not... Uh, but then looking at your website, realizing that it was a lot more genres than just Irish folk music and all the stuff that we listed before. Yes. But I was I was saying to you guys earlier that when I was looking up this type of music, all the pictures, the thumbnails, the the descriptions had some sort of depiction of community. Whether it's like you know 
uh, them playing at a bar or at a pub mm -hmm. or they're like playing with dancers, mm -hmm. you know, doing the whole thing. So there's like this idea of, of community. And so, Marty, I wanted to, if you can kind of tell us about the importance of this music and the, and the audience and how and how it how difficult it's been now to kind of you know do your usual things um, but without you know kind of sans audience in these virtual sessions etc. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, it's, it's interesting to kind of introduce people who might not be familiar with a a sort of folk tradition, you know, uh, of music, not in the sense of sort of like a folk singer up on a stage, you know, performing in a conventional setting, but rather folk meaning culturally, you know, like of the folk. And, um, you know, for me, that word uh, can and often refers to sort of people in their communities playing music, you know, maybe not for money, maybe for, you know, a bar tab uh, at a bar, you know, uh, but the, the, the real sort of driving force of the music is getting together. Um, you know, in Irish music, uh, there is this sort of convention now of having these pub sessions um, that are, are in sort of establishments, but so much of this music does happen in people's kitchens and, um, you know, at, the, at some of these uh, sort of uh, get-togethers, like every summer there's a couple of um, these week-long um, camps uh, that a lot of people will go to, not even to take classes, <laughs> but uh, just to sort of be on the periphery periphery playing with their friends um so yeah there, there, there's this whole world of of people who like really kind of live for for sharing this music um some people with the heritage you know they might have a a parent um or family member who, who taught them but um in the age of sort of uh globalization and um and the internet uh so many people have come to the, can come to the music through uh recordings through online communities um and so uh I think both are, are definitely, I think, valid mm -hmm. um, as far as ways to come to the music and, and to get excited about it. But, um, you know, it, obviously, as Sarah started to talk about, uh, it, it's hard to, you know, have a thousand people travel to get together at some camp when there's a pandemic. Uh, it's hard to show up at a bar that, you know, needs like 100 plus patrons you know, to, to keep the lights on yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in, in the time of the pandemic. So uh, it is interesting to think about how do you, how do you keep community, you know, going um, uh, when it comes to this music. So it's been interesting. You keep using that word camp. Yeah. And I saw that on the Ministry of Folk uh, yeah, website we have, as well. We have a whole tab. Camp. Yeah. So, I, so <laughs> tell, tell us about, like, this idea of camp in, the, in camping. Do you go... Is it normal, like, to go to a camp and, like, learn how to play fiddle and learn how to play these instruments? Or Yeah. Is it what I, is, oh, for, <laughs> is it what I think, Brian? Is it, is it that? I don't know exactly what's in your head, okay, but cool, it is cool, kind cool. of what it sounds like. Okay. It's a summer camp. Um, it's not um, age-defined, as in there can be kids, there can be adults. Um, I started going to them at age 11, my my um, my grandfather's sister sent my mom a clipping from the Boston Globe, and it was like this new Scottish fiddle camp just started on an island in the Boston Harbor. Do you think you, you and and your daughter would be interested in going? Because I had been taking classical lessons for several years at that point, and um, we had lived in Scotland for a year. So my mom was like, "Yeah, it sounds like a fun." you know, bonding experience, and we went, and I was totally hooked from 
day one because it's not just like you go and you take classes like Marty was saying that's that's one part of it but really for me the magic happens like at night it happens after hours where you know you're like in a gymnasium and people are playing tunes and there's no lights on and it's just very vibey and like cool um that's that's what we're missing like you can do you can do classes you can do private lessons online zoom facetime whatever it's the actual like playing together that we're really really missing this summer and so um some of the camps that i've been a part of have moved online and they're trying to replicate Entirely. yeah they're trying to replicate that experience somehow so they have classes they have um you know, some of the sort of elective things like a, a group yoga class or, you know, a cooking class. Like, cause a lot of times we would spend time in the kitchen talking to the people preparing our food and like having tunes in the kitchen and um, mm. having like therapy sessions over, you know, peeling potatoes. Yeah. So, so uh, is it for, so two questions. Sure. Is it, is it working? Like the idea of these virtual sessions and trying yeah. to keep the community together? Um, is it working and are you worried about, for, well, uh, maybe three questions. So is it working, <laughs> are you worried about what's happening right now and what that would do uh, irreparable damage to the community? Um, and um, yeah, we'll start, we'll start there, I left my three questions. I think, I think it is working in the sense that there's been fairly positive reception to the ones that have gone online. Um, I think it's, it's, we figured out the technology, like we've set up Zoom chat or I guess, yeah, Zoom calls where, you know, you'll have a teacher and, and they'll, they'll work through a, a tune with you or discuss technique. Um, we've found ways to have virtual concerts with multiple people around the world. So you're sort of you're on a Zoom call and you're bouncing accounts and spotlighting people and they're doing their thing. Um, that works fairly well. Um, but really, yeah, I think there's, we're missing a lot of that, the actual like, um, where you're getting, you, where you get a lot from your peers, not just like the, prof the quote unquote professionals, uh, people teaching at the camps. So um, part of what the weekly sessions we're trying to do at the ministry, part of the goal is to continue to share music that, that you might, like, I kind of come to camp with a list prepared. I'm like, these are the new tunes I've been working on this year. Like, I want to show to my friends and I want them to learn and I want to play them with them. So that's, that was part of the idea behind that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to, you know, this, this worry about damage, uh, you know, to the, the, I don't know, the thread of the community that it might be broken. And I, 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 I never really worry about it that way, honestly. Like, it, it's, for me, it's, it's sad. And, it, and yeah, it's very sad that we can't sort of participate in the way that we're, a lot of us have been used to for decades or more. Um, but ne never has it crossed my mind that, I, I guess what I'd say is, uh, the, the passion with which the people that I know that play this music and the relationships they've built through the music, um, not for the sake of money, but for, you know, the sake of just the love of the music and the love of the community. Um, and I, I think those, in my experience, are strong enough 
seem strong enough that I, I really do think that this this community is going to bounce back because okay. um, uh, you know it, it, it's your it's your best friends you yeah. know in a lot of cases and uh, you know people are still on Facebook sharing tunes with each other yeah. um, I mean people's incomes are definitely hit for those who do depend on on this music you know for their income and you know it's not to downplay that experience but when it comes to the the shared kind of non-monetary um, aspect of, of the musical community. Um, yeah, I, I, I think everyone's itching to play, but, um, you know, is really looking forward to it when, it when we can again. And I think we're, we're kind of lucky. I mean, we live in close proximity to each other, and so we've been able to get together in, in parks and in my front yard and, you know, two or three, maybe four people and still have tunes. So we're lucky we all live together. Some people only get to play together when they travel for that summer experience. So that's, you know, they're missing out. But You guys are playing. I have a question about... <laughs> so here's my question. So you all have been discussing Irish, Scottish, Scandinavian, yeah. other traditions. Yeah. Um, for the folks at home, I mean, these are... <laughs> this is like... These are impenetrable differences, right? I mean, you, you can say this, and then I nod along, but really I have no idea what the difference is between these traditions. So I, so I, this is really a question about, um, you know, what, I don't know if, if, if you're similar, from my conversations with Sarah, it seems like she's really, is able to pull things from different traditions. So I'm wondering what it is that you pull from, it sounds like you were sort of raised in, this, in the Irish tradition, that's where you cut your teeth, but what do you pull from Scotland, what do you pull from the Scandinavian traditions? And then another question was, are there any other genres of music that you listen to and you're like, I would like, you know, I, I know you write your own music, are there any that you try to sort of incorporate or you think about incorporating into your own music when you write? It's a great, great question. Good can. So... <laughs> I'm an intern at the end. <laughs> the world's the oldest Please. intern. Please. Love, love, love. Yeah. So one of the, the really beautiful things about these camps that I grew up going to is that they, they bring in teachers in a bunch of different traditions that are sort of under the Celtic umbrella and also outside of that. So, um, you know, I grew up going to Scottish fiddle camp, actually, because that's what was around, though my family is Irish, you know, of descent. And um, I think... Scottish music for me felt a little bit um, closer to the classical music I grew up playing, like um, something about the ornamentation and, and the, the types of um, tunes they play, a lot of Strathspeys. The bowing is very particular, it's very rigid, um, and, and certain styles of Irish music can be like that too, but I just found a little bit more freedom in, in that. Um, in that tradition. Um, so I think when I when I play with people who have also come from that background, we we sort of jump in and out of the the genres based on like what tunes we learned together. So, you know, if there was an Irish teacher that year that we were all hanging out that summer, you know, we'll play those tunes. If there was a group over from Sweden, they've taught taught us great tunes. Um, Spain has a very rich um, Celtic music tradition, so I have a couple of those tunes as well. 
Um, is it something that you're saying to people when you go to jams, let's say, that, you know, hey, I learned, you know, this way, I learned this way, and et cetera, or you just... There's a lot of, um, what's that term, um, code shifting, is that... Code shifting. Where you're sort of um, matching what other people are doing. So if you go... Code switching. Code switching. Mm. So you go into a, an Irish bar, yeah, and it's an, a group of people who play Irish music, I'm not going to bring... For the most part, Scottish tunes, though Marty knows that I have done that before. Um, you know, I'm not going to bring the sort of out, out of the repertoire things into that setting. If I'm with people who have also learned those things, then anything's fair game. Um, I mean, is it, is it, is it, is it, I don't want to say like, I'm thinking of like West Side Story, but I don't, I don't, <laughs> but like, are you, are you showing up at an Irish bar and then like, you're like, I'm, we're the Scottish people and like we're gonna play throwing bottles at you. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're gonna play Scottish tunes and there's, that. There's a little there's a little bit of beef, I would say. Not like beef but but Tension? sort of ter there's some territorial territorial I don't know, do you wanna to talk to this Hi. party? <laughs> yeah well it just it's it's interesting to have the this conversation uh for an audience that I'm guessing probably isn't, you know, cued into some of the subtleties here. It's a, it's a good guess. Um, but yeah, for, for, for the folks at home who just want like half a snippet of what tensions can come up, you know, uh, we can talk a little bit about it. I, I don't, I, I just don't see in my world the Scottish and Irish music communities overlapping very often. And so I haven't observed like what tensions could happen there. When I say tension, I'm not saying like actual you know, uh, West Side Story style tension, yeah, yeah. but j j just the tension of you see a bunch of people with fiddles and you want to, you want to do the thing that you're excited about and, and you might not even know, you know, you might sort of think of all Celtic music as the same and, but it turns out that all your tunes are from Scotland and someone else's tunes are all from yeah. some region of Ireland and, um, and, and so you go in with a certain excitement to do your thing, uh, without maybe the, the I guess this is worth saying there's often not a strong culture of sort of like vocalizing what uh, what you're about to do, you know, because you know w when you're playing music from a community perspective, like you know, like every time you go to say play pickup soccer with friends, you don't like all discuss the rules at the beginning. You just kind of <laughs> get going, right? And if someone shows up with a volleyball, yeah, you know, yeah. that looks like a soccer ball for some reason, um, you know, like you might kind of look at them funny, but. They might try to play. Who knows? Maybe that's not the best analogy. But uh, <laughs> that's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but you know, so 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 what's interesting here is that this. I mean, so I'm 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 projecting, but this is all um, diaspora, right? Like you are in Boston, you are in okay. D.C. These are you know communities coming from the the original places, if you will. Do you have any insight into what that tension is? Could be in Scotland, in Ireland, are the are, are there are they more entrenched? Or is it something you don't do? I think they're less entrenched. Oh really? I've I've spent some time in in Scotland, um, in Glasgow, and there's I was surprised at how many Irish tunes I heard at what I thought would be a, a Scottish session. So um, I think when when you're a diaspora community trying to hold on to a certain conception of a tradition, you can be a little more protective over it and maybe more exclusionary than um, the people who don't feel like they have to protect something uh, would feel. So, 
Yeah, I think. It's I like think. A helicopter parent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All of you are helicopter parents for actions. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, if if I can pivot slightly, because I wanted to talk, uh, I wanted to understand the uh, a few different things. So. So we have a bunch of fucking mics here. We're recording you. We're you know I had I bought like you know you know two SM57s and I pointed it at you and you know all that stuff. Um, is there is there like an ideal way that um, and we can bring in like the live process here as well. But when you're recording, when you're recording in a duo in a trio, this music are there specific types of recording techniques that work better? Um, for your instruments for this type of music, because um, when I was listening to that playlist, I felt like I heard a lot of uh, a lot of reverb, not a lot, but like hints of reverb. Yeah. You know, what I mean, um, I was curious if if it's more common to record in like a live setting, you know, like like in a live room where everybody's like around something, or is it more common to do like multi tracks and I'm in a room and you're in a room and you're in a room? What is like? I mean, granted, like. A live setting probably gets the the, the the ambiance of what you're trying to communicate, but I'm yeah. curious as to what, what that is. Well, I have some thoughts. Um, oh. I, I, I bought this mic that we're using today mm. right at the beginning of lockdown. Mm. I had this grand plan that I was going to record myself in my basement and you know, it would be this like solo album that I wanted to make for a long time. And I was thinking about sending those tracks to... Um, guitar playing friends or other melody players to kind of record over it and then I realized like after a couple of months that that just isn't really true to the way that we make music mostly like what Marty and I just did there's so much feedback happening um, when we play together that you're not gonna get if you're recording over somebody else's track I think it's very possible and like we've seen great videos of people in lockdown you know working with their bandmates working with friends I, I was a part of um, some arrangement that was like 40 people submitted videos and they like mashed them all up together and it was amazing but you're not capturing the interplay um, the chemistry there so if I were to make um, an album I I would actually rather just have someone set up a mic at a session that I was already playing mm -hmm. and like I wouldn't even mind if there was the ambiance of the room the people talking like that is the environment that I play this music in and I think that it would be really cool to hear recordings reflect that a little bit more are you saying uh, are you implying that recordings don't reflect that right now I just mean there's there's very few like really live session recordings that are that are good that that we hear. Um, I take a lot of um, voice memos on my phone, yeah. and it's not great quality, but I've captured some really like gorgeous moments just of friends, and people don't, you know, they're not concerned with how they sound, they're not wrapped up in the mics, they, you know, they're just playing and they're letting loose, and then like that's where the, the special stuff happens. Have you done any like more formal studio recordings or Not are you really. thinking about that with with your other musical partner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do have another project. Um, uh, my good friend David McKinley Ward, um, who we sort of in some ways came into the a certain portion of our musical journey together. Um, 
really, uh, you know, found a, a mentor and our good friend Josh Dukes and some friends that we play with down in Alexandria, or we used to play with um, for years every Wednesday, um, O'Connell's uh, Irish pub. Um, anyway, we have a, we've sort of an inkling for years to, to put a, a little project together just to capture, you know, what, what we do. And, um, and there, there, yeah, there, there's this question with this music of how, how much you should go for the raw sound versus a sort of like tailored yeah. sound that might be less what you'd hear, you know, in a sort of ex extemporaneous situation, but more something that like after like, you know, hours of fine tuning your sound, um, but it could still be a very sort of simple kind of sound that would be maybe just like what Sarah and I did, a, a fiddle and a flute. Um, and then there's the next step you could go is to actually get into sort of a more kind of a tracking situation where you're you're layering in other sounds that might not be heard at a session um, or in a kitchen somewhere, you know, yeah. um, a little synth there or whatever you want. And Bring in the bass player, for yeah, example. Exactly. <laughs> we, had, we had a great little jam earlier. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so uh, that, that's part of what I was going to say is that uh, the, there are so many ways to take the, the sort of um, the product of this tradition or these traditions and um, make different kinds of art with them. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, some of that art is a little more akin to a more conventional studio album. Mm -hmm. And like I said, the opposite end of the spectrum is this kind of raw um, product that uh, I have sort of come to think of, of this sort of community generated music that that is, is more about the experiential aspect of it, of experiencing your culture and your community and, and, and the musical product of that, that there is a, a unique sort of art that comes from that. Yeah. Um, and it's not unique to Irish or Celtic music, obviously. Um, what always surprises me about this music, though, is that I, I think it's because I grew up, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a, a, a you know, deep listener of this sort of music, and. So I associate flutes and violins with like classical. I'm sitting mm -hmm. in the Kennedy Center, watching people. I'm sure. sitting there. If you even cough, people look at you. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. But with this sort of music, as soon as you started playing, it's it's dancing music. Yeah. It's like it's all, you want to be up. You want to be pounding your feet. You guys are pounding your feet. Yeah. And so I'm always, you know, sort of like taken aback by how sort of a, you know. It, it, it's a very active listening, mm. and so my question is, what's the craziest shit you've seen at a concert? That's a good dancing. Are people oh. there? There are some emotional songs. To, like, are people crying? Are people? Are there fights? You know, is it like an Irish? <laughs> I went time. Belfast throwing punches or what? I my one story that that would sort of fit the I think the tenor of what you're going for is um I, I was playing uh, with my friends down at this pub in Alexandria, Virginia, just south of DC here. And, uh, you know, we were getting into it probably like close to midnight, um, been playing for a couple hours. And then uh, I, I, my memory is I heard a little like a tingling, crackling sound and just this kind of strange sensation at the, uh, the back of my head. And then my good friend, Josh, who, you know, he's a tall man, kind of a large man, gets up um, from across the table and just, starts smacking my head and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> Turns out I had leaned back into a candle that was set on the little shelf behind me. My hair was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
so that's mostly just a funny image, but there is an aspect of, you know, that moment you're just getting into it and and your other senses are maybe not tuned to, you know, you're a little looser and uh, maybe a little out of body. <laughs> a little drunk, maybe. As I well. yeah, that could have been part of it. Literally on fire. Yeah. So. <laughs> I have been thinking about this, though, during the pandemic, that the environment in which we had been making most of our music was in drinking establishments. <laughs> like, there's a, a, a real, you know, emphasis on, like, pints and tunes and being in a bar, and that's the places, those are the places that host us, that pay us to be there. But I don't know if that's necessarily, like, great for, for everyone. Um, Recently on the Ministry of Folk, we put out a blog post um, about this uh, Me Too movement that's uh, taken off in the last month in Ireland, in it, and it started in the <coughs> traditional Irish music scene. It was a group of 20 or so um, young people in their 20s who have um, grown up in this culture where a lot of mu their music making happens in environments where there's a lot of alcohol. There's, it, there are festivals, they're in bars. And um, I don't know if that's an excuse that people use to kind of dismiss bad behavior, but, or, or it, it just happens to you know, in, encourage that behavior almost. But I think, um, I think it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world that we're having gatherings like in a park or in somebody's front yard instead of like always having it be linked to like a party environment um i'm not i'm not saying that there's sexual harassment that's happening just because we're in bars i'm just saying that um it might be nice to sort of dissociate those two things for a while how does the um how does the traditional community think about that so it's tricky i think um what we're seeing is that young people are, are speaking up and saying, this happened to me, this happened to me too. Um, it, it's finally being out in the open. Why it's been hard to, to talk about it is because you have these like masters of the tradition who everybody respects. They're great musicians, they're, respond they're teachers, they're big um, personalities in the community. And so if, if a young girl, um, is at a gig and, and, and some really revered player says to her, wow, like that was a great set, you know, she's going to feel great. Like that's happened to me. It's like such a compliment coming from someone who you really respect. And then that person, you know, you're in a power dynamic there that, um, you know, so people try to take advantage of. And then young women don't feel comfortable speaking up because, um, you know, maybe that guy has offered her a teaching job. Maybe that guy has connections that, you know, he's offered to use to promote her music. Maybe she just has to see him every week at a session. So it's like, it's like harassment anywhere. Um, it's not unique to the Irish music community, but it's just like the conditions are right for it, I think. What, um, uh, what is the gender parity in the traditional Irish folk music? How many? Well, that's a know, good question. Yeah. Um, this, this current Me Too movement has sort of a foundation in something that was started a few years ago, which they called Fair Play, 
Um, this was a group of professional women uh, playing in Irish traditional music who said, you know, there's a huge gender disparity where women are not being offered the same, like, headlining shows, women are not paid as much, blah, blah, blah. But really, what, what this new generation is saying is, like, part of the reason why there aren't women playing those gigs is because you've stifled them from the beginning by putting girls in this position where they say, you know what, do I want to be harassed or do I want to just stop playing music? And then, you know, who ends up at the top? So you kind of have to, to work on like the pipeline um, problems. So, 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 no, but so, so pipeline, uh, I, I'm thinking of the, of kids at younger ages. Yeah. yeah. So the camps. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, so like, is there, is there, are there things at camp, at these camps that also are, that need to be fixed, et cetera? You know, I don't think we've had our, our reckoning here. Um, I know, you know, I, I don't want to like share too many details, but a, a really close friend of mine went to a camp in um, Nova Scotia in, in Cape Breton, which is um, where a lot of Scots immigrants settled and they, they have their own um, tr fiddle tradition there. Canada. Uh, yeah. Um, and she had the same thing happen where this guy said, wow, like really respect your playing. This is so great. And that he was, you know, a decade or, or more older than her. And then, you know, as soon as the camp was over, sent her a bunch of really inappropriate messages on Facebook. And it's just, it really ruins it for you. And that's really sad. But, but there aren't, there's not a great mechanism for calling people out. And when you're a young person, you might not be aware that this happens a lot or, or know who, who to speak to about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I will say, um, in March for uh, International Women's Day, I, I set myself a task to try to make a playlist of the women who I, um, I grew up listening to their playing. Because I, I looked through several of my Spotify playlists of, you know, the greatest fiddle players or the, you know, tunes I really love. And I was like, this is all men. Why is that? Um, I think maybe it's a pipeline issue. Maybe it's an exposure issue. Maybe it's whoever goes gets to go on tour, um, you know, in the States. Like, I mean, we're talking about people traveling and who's able to do that, who has the privilege to do that. Um, who, who gets played on the radio? I mean, these are really basic uh, questions about um, who's getting airtime and, and that space, like Marty was saying. So um, that was a fun project, but it was actually quite difficult to, to do. Um, you know, I had to kind of dig and um, you can find the playlist. It's called Tunes for the Girls <laughs> <laughs> on Spotify. But I think, yeah, just being a little more um, conscientious about who who we give space to, whose music we play. Um, and then like what I try to do when I when I perform and, and I did a live stream a few weeks ago, um, and I tried to introduce the tunes and, and say where I got them and, and talk about why I chose them. So, you know, if you say, you know, I have a great friend who's composing tunes and she's a wonderful fiddle player. I'm gonna try to lift her up you know, if I have the platform, say, you know, I'm going to play her music and, and I want you guys to all hear it too. Uh, um, 
is it uh, would it still be difficult for you right now to make a playlist with 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 more gender parity? I think I I was able to come up with a fairly long list, but I think that's still only a fraction of what's available online. In the sense that uh, people don't have maybe access to or the um, or people are not recording those all, all the people that are out there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, if I can um, maybe wrap this up a little bit, but um, just for the, for the audience here, um, Sarah and Marty, um, tell us some things that are coming up that maybe that people can tune into, listen to, or check out, um, and uh, uh, you know anything that. Um, any sort of, you know, uh, last words of wisdom for us as, as the audience goes away and they listen to other types of music? Um, what, what are some things that, um, that you think Irish uh, folk music or traditional music, however you want, however, however when, one is to bin sort of all the things that Ministry of Folk does and etc. Um, what, what, you know, what are some things that you, you think the audience can get from listening to that type of music uh, more and more? Well, I think um, for all of the the flack it takes, Spotify is is a great place to discover new music. Um, so I have have learned a lot of things, even tunes we played tonight, from albums that have recently gone on that platform. Um, when I can, I try to buy those albums on other platforms, but I, I feel like the algorithm is actually really helpful for, really for discovering new music. So I, I try to use that as, as best I can. Um, but yeah, there's lots, there's lots to listen to. Like, you could listen to it all day and never exhaust the amount of music out there. Um, there's music happening in a lot of communities, like... DC is, has a scene, Boston, I mean, it's everywhere. Um, so you might be surprised to find there are people playing this music um, in a lot of places. I would also say that... Not uh, right now, per se, but... <laughs> well, in their homes, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there's a lot happening online. There's tons of live-streamed uh, events, concerts, sessions... Um, Can we find some of those at uh, your website? Ministry of Folk would be a great place. We have a every week we update a list of events. We also have our weekly Tuesday session, so that's always a good place to find new music. And then there's like oh, nobody is on tour right now, so these amazing musicians are sitting at home with not that much to do. So if you've ever wanted to take lessons from like your fiddle idols. I know everybody here wants to do yeah, that. Yeah. Um, you know, now is the time to kind of get in touch with those people. Like, Andrew Bird, I definitely want to listen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Like, my sister is taking accordion lessons with somebody in a band or who founded a band that my parents have listened to for 20 years. Like, we used to go every Christmas to see this band play, and my, now my sister's taking lessons with him. Like, mm. that's so cool, but it's because he's not working. So. Yeah. <laughs> Through the disconnection, there's been actually yeah. a really strong connection, which yeah. is pretty bizarre. I don't think we saw that coming. We are, we're trying to make a lemonade here. <laughs> <laughs> big, big fan of lemonade. Put some vodka. Yeah. What's up for you, Marty? Um, 
Yeah, it's, I mean, my, my musical life is sort of, uh, you know, definitely frozen up a bit. And uh, I'm someone who definitely has some, some struggles, uh, you know, interacting with the sort of digital world and haven't quite found, you know, the, 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 given that music isn't my primary income source, uh, I haven't had the need to sort of figure out how to make it work. Um, and, uh, but, but even just participating in community online hasn't been sort of my, uh, my priority recently. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think a lot of folks are biding their time, but like Sarah said, there are a lot of ways to, if you're interested to discover this music, to, to find it. Um, and, uh, I, I guess I'd, I'd just say, you know, like what, what, whatever communities you feel part of and, um, or might be sort of next door or down the street, you know, like seek them out, you know, and, uh, and, 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 um, you know, we, we do want music and art generated from community expression to, to continue and, to you know, in, in the ways that it can be sort of amped up, even in, in quarantine, you know, let's go out of our way to do it. So, uh, this is, this is a time that we can just find new ways to make art. So we shall be, uh, you know, thinking outside the box. How do that? All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thank That's, you, Alex. Uh, yeah, anytime. Cool. 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 Wow, yeah, so, man, as I, as I keep listening to this episode a few times over, I, I couldn't help but be confronted by actually my own biases in music and what that's probably done to, you know, my music experience throughout my own life. And I keep returning to that playlist that Sarah had made, you know, primarily because it, it really, really affected me. I, I really thought to expect a type of sound that I don't necessarily listen to regularly, but would, you know, at least to myself, definitely think that I've heard before, right? And and hearing this playlist and not just how, you know, modern it came across, but but the, the clear modern influences it was demonstrating. So that's rhythm, the time signatures, instrumentation, stuff that I normally associate with other more popular forms of music um, simply because they seem at times to be um, the most obvious output of of modernity and sort of what what current music is experiencing. Um, but obviously, yes, music uh, you know doesn't exist in a vacuum. It affects everybody, from you know your your go to producer in the studio to you know Joe Schmill at the pub. We all can be influenced. Um, by music and what will always be interesting about music and you know re really art in general is how specific people use those influences right and obviously yes we have issues today with attributing those influences correctly and sufficiently but even as we grapple with those issues of who and when to cite we still witness the power of transformative art you know powerful art is like this 
is like this alien that you know that comes down for a while mingles with us you know leaves us and then we sort of deal with all of these consequences from that right good or bad we we become the the custodians of of this art um uh gifted upon us and then we are charged with you know now both communicating the original purpose of that art while also trying to uh continue to keep its efficacy for future and future generations um and really obviously the surprise that i had at the beginning about irish folk music you know is 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 really more about my bias right than than about actual reality you know if you've gained anything from this episode i hope number one that you check out this type of music more and you know go to ministry of folks website shout out but maybe it's time you check out something you normally wouldn't listen to right so you know yes nobody wants to spend hours searching for new types of music for sure but you know ridding ourselves of what we think music or art is whatever the type um is is helpful right and and ultimately enriching to our experiences i'm you know i'm not necessarily saying listen to you know your spotify discover playlists every week though that is i will say that's a good way um and and nor am i saying that we almost find a new band you know to listen to every week but that type of music that you've sworn off right uh, that you think you know and how it'll how it'll sound all that stuff you you should probably i mean you should probably give it another shot you should probably give it another shot man you know you haven't listened to all of it or watched all of it or seen all of it there are too many people that are making music that are making art that are influenced by too many things to think that you know one genre uh, of music or art is ever ever static so you know the next time you know we say or really i say anything but country right <laughs> um i don't know i think uh we, you know we should we should ask somebody we should ask somebody about um those types of music uh, before we throw them off pizza cat is recorded on the h street corridor in washington dc Created by Alex De Silva and Kelly Garrett. All art is directed and created by Kelly Garrett. Photography by Alex De Silva and Samantha Norris. Mixing was done by Logan Marshall and mastered by Katherine Anderson. <laughs>